Okay, thank you. Welcome back again. Um, the word after this uh, question and answer session is back to the professor, unless you still have questions. Uh, oh, whoa. I just want to add one thing that, that um, I was discussing with Peter and with Rudy, which I think everybody might benefit from hearing. My confusion was that it's not so much that the merchant banker adds the time element, which was there in various ways previously. What he adds is, is market making, and he makes a standardized fungible bond. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When the, a new attend gives money to the new attend, it's a private contract between two parties with no transparency, no standardization. It's, there's no way that anybody else could buy that bond. So yes, it's an, it's an, it's an improvement over hoarding and dishoarding, but it's illiquid. It's not, it's not that it's illiquid, it's completely unmarketable. Mm -hmm. It's just a private contract. Yeah. The merchant banker now turns it into a fungible bond that can be sold regularly and have a bid-ask spread and have transparency. And the key word is fungible, but this is not a very well-known word. So somebody would care to explain the meaning of the word fungible? Well, I'll offer what, what I think it means. What I, the meaning that I had when I said the word uh, is that, that if you have two bonds that are both 10-year bonds, and have the same other terms and conditions and the same interest rate, one is interchangeable with the other. Bond A and bond B, you might as well just call them both 10-year bonds. So for example, one mortgage contract is not fungible because it's, the house is a different place, the environment is very different, and so on and so forth. So there is really no uh, mortgage market where mortgages are ex exchanged against mortgages. Therefore, we need something more fungible than a mortgage. And that is the goal. Uh, by the way, this yeah. answers the yeah, question. question. So, do you see that a mortgage is, is not fungible? Yeah. You, you, great difficulties arise if you want to change. For instance, you have a house which is mortgage, I have a house which is mortgage, and we want to change houses. That's so, if we agree, that's fine. But it's not so simple to swap mortgages. So what you have to do is, you go to the merchant banker and make a deal with him to change your mortgage for a gold bond and so you sell your mortgage for a gold bond or gold and then gold bond and I have to buy or do the same I'm sorry and then make the exchange at the gold bond level why can you do that because the gold bond is fungible I'll ask if this clarified it or yeah. I have to explain more. Um, is anybody with, well, there's nobody that left us here. Nobody left us. But there is one thing I may have to add here um, in case anybody is wondering what is the purpose of constructing such an abstract model, you know, where is this leading to? 
In fact, it would be my comment to say, well, one, it gives us way much more insight than the equilibrium model such as the ISLM model that some of you may know, count yourself lucky if you don't. Um, but the purpose, secondly, I would say is see what is going, what's going on with policy. If policy makers such as central bankers do something like upping interest rates and or, or, um, pushing it down, this model can explain what will happen and why. And perhaps it, it gives you the consequences. Same for lawmakers. Why should or shouldn't you make certain or pass certain laws? Because there will be consequences. I'll go into that tomorrow, but there is a, a very definite purpose in, in, in a deeper understanding. That was, in fact, one of the questions that I've uh, oh. received before. Okay. Did I see a... Yes, of course. Louis. The uh, merchant banker or investment banker <coughs> in your model, Professor, is a good banker. Is a good banker. It's not the banksters of today, right? Well, to my mind, there cannot, you cannot make a theory where a banker is a bad banker. Okay. Because there is, <laughs> you know. But, but in your model, correct me if I'm wrong, the, uh, the role of the merchant banker, as you put it, is positive and good because it, the banker interacts with the entrepreneur and the inventor, not the annuitant and the annuitant. Is, is that a good observation or not? I, I wouldn't distinguish between the two because I would say whatever <coughs> partnership you can form of the five, and it has a surplus or it has a deficit, there is a problem. The question is, can this be offset, either the surplus or the deficit, within the Pentagon, form another partnership, and then they can make an exchange, and the problem is solved? And the answer is no, unfortunately. And we gave one example, and there are several others, when it doesn't work. It needs a, special, a specialist, just like at an earlier stage, we discovered that we need the capitalist services. So, you know, the same way at this higher level, we see that adding the capitalists did not solve all the problems. Solved some, but not all. And what I'm suggesting is, and uh, you may argue on that, is that adding the merchant banker, honest, good banker, because we don't deal with crooks in our theory, if you add him as a specialist, then all these problems caused by surpluses or deficits 
can be offset in that capital market model within. You need not add a new specialist, because this closes the system. It makes itself contained. This is what I'm suggesting. And, and I, I think it's, it's, it's absolutely right. I don't, I don't disagree with the model. I, I think it's brilliant. But here's, here's, I'd like your comment on this. I couldn't help myself but look at this um, hexagonal and see that the Mises triangle is there, and that's very dynamic and very productive and good. But adding a merchant banker introduces the possibility of the opposite triangle, well, which would be MB to the annuitant and the annuitant. Well, you can put in now the uh, I can make several. And I would argue, which professor, is, that I point out which triangle. AT to AD. Yeah. And AD to MD. And MD to AD. And? So AD and MD. Yeah. So I would argue that I see the I look at the merchant banker as the financier. The, the finance. Yeah. Right? The finance. And Finance should have a, a, a contributing role to what happens in the economy. But we live in a world today where finance is running everything. Finance is running the show. Finance, you know, Wall Street with yeah. uh, speculation is, is, has too big a part to play. So could it be that we operate these days under the wrong triangle? <laughs> Not the Mises triangle, but this finance has taken over, if you like, with the derivatives and the bond speculators. Because what Matt, what you said, the tool of the merchant banker was is the bond, the gold bond. Gold, well, that, no, that is a big difference. Right. <laughs> what we don't have the gold bond, right? No. What we have is fiat money. What we have is derivatives upon derivatives upon derivatives and bond speculators. So, uh, would, you argue, would you agree that this triangle I just pointed out would, would be the prevailing one? That's why we're in such a mess. I, uh, I would say there's nothing wrong with that, that triangle. Nothing wrong with it? Nothing wrong with it. What what is wrong with the honest merchant banker? <laughs> no, no. It's neither the character of the merchant banker nor the choice of the triangle but it is the lack of gold uh, financing. Gold is locked up either in central banks or in the hordes of private individuals who want to profit from the uh, rise of the gold price. But nobody advocates outside of our group putting the gold coin into circulation and then of course there will be a gold bond market with several different maturities and so on. There will be a gold rate of interest which is natural, which is not manipulated and if you have that then the uh, problem, the various problems, I mean this is just one problem that not all annuitants can find their counterpart 
uh, and therefore uh, not all exchanges can be made. And, and therefore uh, these sub-marginal annuitants will cannot, cannot make their contribution. It's a social law, not just an individual loss. It's a social loss. You see, but the reason, there's just one reason. It's not the character of the banker. It's not that we have a, a, a funny triangle there making uh, problems, a joker triangle, no. It's simply the fact that the, uh, we don't have a gold bond. And we should. And as soon as gold would put into circulation, there would be gold bonds. You see, I'm not even suggesting that we should go straight back to the gold standard, because this is not a realistic proposition under the present. I wish we could, but I'm realistic enough to say. But there is no reason why uh, the, uh, the Euroland, okay, we should get together and say, these Americans are trying to bust us here, but this is our Europe, and this Federal Reserve does not make the rules here, and the IMF doesn't make the rules here, we make the rules, and we want gold and silver coins in circulation, so what we will do is we'll go back to the Latin monetary union and take those gold coins which they have had in the 19th century, take those silver coins and put them in circulation, issue gold bonds, issue silver bonds and try to solve the uh, problem that way. I have just uh, discussed this with Carlo. Uh, take two pieces of agricultural land, very similar high quality land and so on. And one is in production, it's cultivated year after year. And that one is left fallow, which means barren, not used, outside of production. Now I, I'm fully aware that you have to give a chance to the land in production to recover, so every third or fourth year you leave it fell. Let's just ignore that. Let's just say for some reason the owner of this land leaves it fell. Okay? Now I'm suggesting it to you that the value of the land under cultivation is worth, uh, I mean, uh, is worth 10 times the value of the land which is left followed. And in the same way, this is now gold in the vault of a central bank, frozen, immobilized, okay? And that's gold which is free to circulate. I'm suggesting it to you that one coin, gold coin, which is in circulation is worth at least 10 times the value of the gold coin which is locked up. 
And what this means is if Greece takes all the gold in the vaults and strikes coins according to the standards of the Latin uh, Monetary Union, and those coins go into circulation, then the uh, national wealth of Greece will increase in the same proportion, 1 to 10. And actually this is not a fixed number because it depends how fast these gold coins circulate. And the faster they circulate, the more credit they can carry. So this is a phony problem that Greece is over-indebted, Italy is over-indebted, Spain is over-indebted, Ireland is over -indebted. A phony problem. If gold coins were also in circulation in addition to paper euros, then it would be a very viable monetary system, it would have an, uh, something which can extinguish debt. Euro banknotes will not be able to extinguish ultimate extinguisher of debt, but the gold coins will be ultimately. And then a great addition to the liquid wealth of the European community. And the only reason they don't do that is because in America, at the Fed or the U.S. Treasury, we say, yet. But time has passed long ago that they were in the position to say, yet. They cannot say, yet, anymore. They still have a large military, though. Well, uh, are you suggesting that uh, they would invade Greece and take over the government by military means if Greece, uh, with the support of the European community, say that we are going to open the Greek mint to gold and silver. So we invite anybody in the whole world to come forward with gold and silver and our mint will convert the bullion into gold drachmas and silver drachmas. And with a 5% charge, we'll give it to you back. I don't think the US, well, they, they won't even understand the meaning no, no of this. But, uh, you know, what kind of games they play in Iraq and Afghanistan, I don't think they could play in Greece and, and Italy. And I don't think so. So, that is the solution. Believe me, if you think it over, you will see that the, the, in Europe, as it is, in the European in Euroland, as, as uh, some journalists jokingly call this monetary union. There is no that problem. 
It's completely artificial. It's owing to the outrageous immobilization of the national wealth carried in the form of gold and silver. It's completely artificial. Once you free it, once you immobilize it, this problem will disappear and the great leap in prosperity will follow. Now, I'm not saying that there is no need for uh, controlling government expenses and, uh, um, and uh, pursuing graft or corruption, which there is probably a lot in Greece. I, I'm not knowledgeable about that. But they say all kinds of things that uh, every citizen of Athens or, or most citizens of Athens are uh, jumping the uh, gates at, at the subway, underground railway, which the European community built for the uh, Olympics and, and the, that those employees of the underground railway are overpaid and then they t have to take aerial survey of swimming pools because uh, only 1% of swimming pool owners pay the tax on this. This is all possible, I don't know. But first of all, the, uh, there could be a natural uh, correction of that under if gold coins are circulation. I, I believe that. You may not, but that's not really the point. The point is that the big problem is not that uh, some swimming pool owners uh, cheat on their taxes or some of the uh, railway employees are overpaid. These are minor problems which you can deal with individually and won't marry. The big problem which would make a big difference and it would immediately make this problem disappear is the fact that Greek has lots of gold in fact and so does Italy, uh, I mean per capita, per capita. If you calculate the gold in the vaults of the National Bank of Greece, you have to divide it by the, num the population of Greece. And the same in Italy. And, uh, you'll be surprised. You'll find that these countries are, in fact, very well placed as far as gold is concerned. The problem is not that there is no gold or little gold, but that the gold is locked up and cannot enter circulation. So it's, uh, it's a frozen asset. It's, it doesn't do any good. And there's no reason that this is. The only reason is the uh, order from Washington. And they should anticipate, uh, emancipate themselves, these countries. And that is the solution. Yes. Rudy? Uh, I suggest you look at the merchant banker and remember his tool 
is a gold bomb. A bad banker doesn't need a gold bomb. Goldman Sachs went literally with derivatives and hid their borrowing and did all kinds of shenanigans, which you cannot do with a gold bond. So if you get if you get back to the gold bond, you get rid of all those you know, bad bankers uh, stuff. And all these things tend to go away. You know? And of course the gold has to be in circulation so that there can be a gold bond. And it's like dominoes, one after another. Yeah, the gold that one. All I was trying to do is superimpose uh, on this reality of today. Sure. Yes. Well, I said that knowing this model gives you not only the abstract knowledge, but also the applied knowledge. Because now, if I say lawmakers can apply this knowledge for a purpose, they can immediately say, well, fine, we make two kinds of banks. A commercial bank with assets limited to real bills, and that can easily be checked. And the second kind of bank, or mutual, or whatever, you know, uh, which would be the investment type or merchant kind of banker and with long-term gold bonds with as yes, assets. With gold bonds as, a, as assets. Can easily be checked. Okay. And the license will be for either or. Full stop. But if you don't know this model and you listen to the wrong kind of advisors, um, then once again, honest lawmakers um, make stupid mistakes, yes. Um, you know, it, this kind of honest banker discussion can, can be solved. Not that you cannot ever, forever stamp out fraud. I mean, that, that is not possible. But can easily be looked up. And, uh, I mean, the mismatch, like Sandeep said, the mis misallocation of short and long dated paper can easily take place in, in, in a kind of a bank that merge, that, that mixes both. <coughs> so one should um, distinguish that even under a gold standard, you shouldn't mix these types of banks. No, of course. Let alone, but I, I think this model is still valid under an irredeemable. Um, regime. There is a slightly, there's two slight um, tweaks that will need to happen to make it to, to make it explain. Namely, that um, the floor and the ceiling of your interest rate are now two different processes with different tools. Um, under a gold standard, it's the gold bond, but under an irredeemable standard. It's um, it's a different kind of process. One more question: Would you consider a glass steagall a step to separate these two banks? Because that was revealed a few years ago, and commercial banking and you know financial banking, whatever, was put into one group. And glass steagall was designed to keep them separate. Back back to the uh, yeah, but the trouble was that almost at the same time, the. Uh, the gold standard was finished in, in, the United, in the United States. So to have the full strength of this measure, you've got to have both gold standard and the separation. And by the way, uh, that's 
even that is not as rigid as it sounds, because suppose there's a big bang, and then it has to have two departments. One is the uh, merchant banking department, and the other is the commercial. And their books have to be kept separate. It could be the same uh, shareholders, could be the same directors of the bank, same managers of the bank, but they are by law obliged to keep their books separate for these two departments. That's, that's enough. I don't know if Glass-Steagall went that far, but... Just interject one thing. The United States prospered for almost a century and a half without Glass-Steagall. Glass-Steagall was created by an insane regulator, FDR, who was frantically panicking and just creating law after law after regulation after regulation after distortion after distortion. I would look very, very cynically at everything FDR did uh, and question uh, if anything he did was, was good because his intent was consistent central takeover planning and, and outright nationalization as much as it could possibly get away with. And Glass-Steagall was, was clearly part of that regime. We continue after this. Are you going to say more? We go on to five. Right? No, no, we, we just... If there are questions, everybody can ask it. But I have more to say. Okay. Any, any more uh, remarks? I saw a hand there. Was it? Well, maybe I can ask a question. It's, it has to do with classical economics. Uh, in fact, um, the name Pareto Optimum um, will will in fact come to mind. And when when you read or when you are schooled in in traditional economics, you are going to meet Mr. Pareto one time or another. Now he comes out of equilibrium mm -hmm. uh, theory and I know that, but maybe my question here to you is would this be very similar to a Pareto optimum? Uh, 